This week we meet the current holder of the Golden Plough, the man who, right now, is the national ploughing champion, though he might not be by this afternoon. My equipment is still on the high seas coming back from the USA from the World Plowing Contest where I was in ninth place a month ago. Yes, more on the National Plowing Championships in a moment. Later, we meet Jilly Steele as she embarks on her new role as Health and Wellbeing Lead at LRSN. And we've a new name, or rather a new voice, from Open Field later as well. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. Despite the weather, the National Ploughing Championships are underway this weekend and it's the first time in 20 years that they've been held in Lincolnshire. David Chappell is the current British National Ploughing Champion. David, uh, you must be excited it's back in the county after so long. Indeed, and and it is exciting. Wonderful soil to plough. We need 250 acres, remember, so we can give a fair chance to all the ploughmen. 250 ploughmen from all over England, Scotland and Wales. How did you win? nationally how did you become the national champ well last year uh, down in leicestershire uh, i qualified to go to the national farmers by winning a local competition and then on the saturday the first day which will happen this week everyone plows in different sections the top 10 in each section seven sections go to the plow off the final and uh, winning my section of the plow off and then becoming supreme champion a wonderful day so uh, that's the process and how are you hoping to fare this time Well, my equipment is still on the high seas coming back from the USA, from the World Plowing Contest where I was in ninth place a month ago. And so, luckily, a friend who's not qualified to compete this year has loaned me his. So using foreign uh, tackle, it's going to be hit and miss. I mean, the favourites would be uh, a couple of Lincolnshire lads. Ashley Boyles, who was champion two years ago from Market Raisin with the modern ploughs, and then with his 80-year-old tractor and plough, John Crowder, uh, is a real dark horse for for the championship. And you take it seriously, don't you? You want to win. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I've been uh, ploughing for 60 years and uh, I've been lucky enough seven times to get through to the World Ploughing Contest. To get that golden plough, that's the ultimate for any ploughman. And it's it's a big event. I mean, there's lots happening as well. You've got the vintage machinery, the modern machinery, you've got the steam engines. There's so we much to see, isn't it? stands and uh, working demonstrations. I mean, you can see all this stuff at, at farm shows, looking shiny, looking bright. But these, they're working. They're in the working clothes. Equipment from the 1920s, 30s and right up to modern day. Actually working and doing something. That's the beauty of it. Well, we'll look. And, and the horses, of course. 14 pairs of horses plodding up and down. I mean, you want to... Have you ever been behind a pair of horses? You can actually hear the soil creak as it turns over. Wonderful. And then they're all polished up in the brasses, looking well. Let's hope so. Thank you, David. That's David Chappell right now, the national British champion. But whether he will be by the end of the day, we shall see. Good luck, David, and all taking part. Also at the championships, among the exhibitors showing what they have on offer is the team at Clover Farm Services. They've undergone a bit of a change this summer. It's fair to say, as uh, Dwayne Clover told me on Thursday. It's Well, it's our 10th year, actually, of Clover Farm Services this year. Uh, we didn't really see what was going to happen, but obviously in the past we've been selling different things, but we, we was mainly known for selling the armour track tractors and something that we've been doing in the county but across the UK as well we found that basically our customers were coming and asking for more horsepower that's the biggest thing so we needed a a greater range uh, we spoke to one or two people we had good conversations with with Argo tractors and we came up with uh, uh, Landini 
uh, being a good brand it gives us a good spread of horsepower it enables us to do two different things and move into the the area of the the larger cereal growers etc and, and even the veg growers of the creep gearboxes etc uh, and and so we decided to go with that along came uh, another italian brand of um, alpego which uh, especially in Lincolnshire, Alpago machinery is there's a lot of machines out there, um, so we've uh, now joined up with them as well. So that's something that we will be doing in South Lincolnshire, um, and then the Faris Telehandlers, uh, we've had that for a few months now. Um, another Italian, so we call it the Italian Trio. Um, so we've 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 moved off from Turkish Delight to Italian Trio now, Sean. It's it's a big bold move for Clover Farm Services. It, it puts us into a different league. But we're full of enthusiasm as normal, and uh, you know we're we're relishing the challenge in in tough times to get out there and introduce good products to people, and uh, you know do a good job and good service. Is it a sign of the times that people are wanting more horsepower now? Do you think, or just yeah, it seems to. I mean, it's been quite surprising, especially maybe on the veg side, that they 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 kind of seem to want a, a higher average horsepower even on the veg, veg rigs and things like that it's been quite surprising predominantly we're an arable area so even the um the, the smaller um cereal growers etc are running 150 horsepower plus so we're getting towards a you know heading towards 200 horsepower of uh, of an average you touched on being tough times is it tough at the moment i think so i mean it doesn't matter what industry you seem to be in at the moment with the brexit stall as we'd like to call it i think after it didn't happen in in march you could see i mean we was having a very very good run of sales and you know unbelievable um and we've had a transition so it's kind of affected us a little bit because we've had a transition of 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 going from one brand and moving over to to some more so that's kind of affected things a little bit but obviously speaking to customers i think they're very cautious that's the best best way to describe it they don't know what the prices are going to be they don't know what the markets are going to be like um so in, in my mind a simple layman's term terms just get on with it as soon as they get on with it uh, so people can have peace of mind reassurance whatever it be uh, in the agricultural industry from what i can see people are just rather just just wait and see um but it affects every every supply company around it whatever it is uh, we have been repairing lots of things this year um, um we do a lot with uh, with uh, potato harvesters and potato equipment especially the the grimmer stuff and um, we've seemed to do a lot more this year than normal perhaps people are repairing things as opposed to buying new ones so uh, yeah I, I think i think everyone would agree that um you know it's a bit of a tough time to get through at the moment if it was no deal and there was delays at the the, the ports would, would that be an issue with your italian tie-in of actually getting product into the country do you think i don't it? think so you no. know I, I just everything actually feels and seems to be in place i mean you know with uh, our counter counterparts in italy for example, you know, they, I think they'd rather it just get on with it. You know, when you, when you talk to them, they're just they're like, you know, I wouldn't like to say what they think of some of these people that are based in London that are just messing around because it's it's fairly black and white. Trade will just kind of get itself sorted out and, um, you know, we're still flying things in, parts and everything. Everything will just stay the same. Um, I, I can't see any issues personally. 
10 years can you believe it's been 10 years a decade now yeah i know it's uh, it's incredible and 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 the changes in those 10 years you know the people that know us and think where where we've we've come from wouldn't believe it um you know to see where we are now uh, the, people notice the change from red tractors to to all these shiny blue ones that we have we have out here now uh, and we've been busy on demonstrations uh, we're now on demonstrations with the alpego uh, machinery as well so yeah it's 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 amazing um and and to think you know you you, you couldn't ever predict where you're going to get to but it's just sheer hard work you know and determination and that's as a family that's what we've got Family's always the key. That's Dwayne Clover at Clover Farm Services. Right, on to our weekly fix on matters from the team at Open Field. Kit and Jerome both off at the same time. How dare they? So uh, trader David Brown can update us this week. Hello, David. An interesting week that has seen some short covering in the markets prior to the release of Thursday's USDA report over concerns for US yields for soy and maize alongside global weather concerns beginning to impact the markets with the current freeze in the US. The USDA report, in fact, was seen as bearish maize, with a yield number coming in higher than trade expectations, and slightly bearish wheat, with ending stocks coming in slightly above what the trade was expecting, while soybeans were seen as more positive, with yields coming in marginally lower. DEFRA released the first official crop estimate, putting the UK 2018-19 wheat crops at 16.3 million tonnes, 20% higher than the previous year and the biggest crop since 2015. Currency has fluctuated wildly in light of Brexit negotiations, with the deadline dates looming. Sterling is significantly stronger at the end of the week compared to relative weakness at the start, due to promising talks over Ireland. Overall at present it is difficult to see a demand-led rally for wheat, but the picture can change with major weather or political event, with Trump and China negotiations still being played out. For the UK with surplus wheat and barley, the export markets will be all important and the rules need to be written to understand where the UK values need to be to continue to write future business. Depending on geography, spot values for feed wheat are worth 128 x a farm and worth 130 x a farm for December. Milling wheat values are worth around £150 x a farm for December. Feed barley is all about port execution at present for October and awaits the rules for forward export business November onwards, be it third country or be it to the EU. DEFRA released figures for the UK barley crop on the 8th of October at 8.2 million tonnes, up 26% on the previous year, meaning exports will be pivotal in dealing with the surplus. Feed barley is worth £124 to £125 delivered the port at present. Malting barley. It remains steady, however some UK consumer interest has been raised for January onwards for limited specific quality parcels. Export execution has been busy up until the end of October and awaits clarity post-Brexit for further European business. Premium-wise, depending on location, ranges between six to eight pounds over feed. And oilseed rape. The UK situation remains tight in terms of the S&D, but imports are coming in offering relief and capping UK values. Yesterday's USDA proved to be supportive to soybeans. However, positive commentary to Brexit negotiations strengthened the pound, easing UK values back £10. Depending on location and proximity to the end user, November is worth around a £325 extra farm and March is worth around £330 extra farm. Please speak with your Openfield buyer for the latest values and market information. A great debut appearance on the programme. Thank you, David Brown, with the news from Open Field.
The CLA has this week reminded farmers of their responsibilities to other road users. What with the recent weather, the timely reminder is aimed at ensuring roads are cleared, especially as the rain has led to increased chances of mud being brought onto them. The CLA says that farmers and contractors are legally required to clear mud and debris resulting from their work, otherwise they could be liable for an offence. Indeed, if the mud isn't cleared and highways have to do it, then they could charge the works back to the farmer, even impose a fine of up to £1,000, and in the event of an accident, the farmer could also be liable for personal and property damages. Effectively, the CLA is saying every time you take a farm vehicle onto a public road, you're an ambassador for farming, so why not make the most of the opportunity and clear up after yourself? Obviously, As a listener to this programme, you already do it. You look after the countryside and look after the roads, but, you know, some still do need reminding, sadly. Last week, here on the Farming Programme, we heard briefly from agricultural chaplain Alan Robson, welcoming Jilly Steele to her new role at the charity LRSN. It's holding its AGM and auction tomorrow night, always a fun event, and Jilly joins me now. Uh, Remind us of your title, Jilly. I'm the new LRSN Health and Wellbeing Lead. Congratulations. Thank you. Welcome to LRSN and uh, to the Farming Programme. What, uh, What does the role actually entail? It's a large role. Um, we've got some big shoes to fill. Alison Twiddy's been doing a large part of this for many years um, and the charity have decided to expand that role um, and have offered me the wonderful chance as a mental health nurse to look at the casework that the charity's doing, including a lot of networking as well. As you say, it's, it's a role that it seems to be needed more and more as, as more people find out about the charity. More people are coming forward needing that kind of support, aren't they? Mental health as a whole is starting to be talked about uh, more socially um, across the media and also within social circles. So I think people are feeling more comfortable talking about what they're struggling with. In our farming communities, the stresses and strains are becoming more and more, particularly with Brexit looming. um, And it's about something that we all need to talk about and access some help and support with. So what kind of things will you be doing? How will it work? I will be looking at the cases that are coming through. I'll be doing some of the casework myself and also working very closely alongside our wonderful band of volunteers um, who will look at um, every aspect of people's stress. So it doesn't necessarily mean mental health as such. It's talking about what causes people's stress and anxiety. And you say you're a mental health nurse yourself? Yes, I've been a qualified mental health nurse for the last 18 years. Um, I've worked in a variety of roles, both in the NHS and the public sector, um, but I'm a country girl at heart. So being able to tie my two passions together um, is a dream come true, really. And it must be, I don't know if fascinating is the right word, but be since you started in the profession, if you like, all those years ago, to see where we're at now, where, as you say, people are more and more willing to come forward thankfully and discuss these these kind of things you know we've got just this week ed sheeran and uh, and prince harry have released a video as well talking and, and urging people to to find people like yourselves to talk to that that must be heartwarming really compared to where we were if you think back 18 years ago Absolutely. The boundaries are being broken down more and more. There's still some boundaries out there. Um, It's a generational thing. Younger people are far more open to talk about their mental health. Um, Older people and people in more um, socially isolated communities will maybe not be so open to talk about their problems, um, soldier on, so to speak. Um, So there's still quite a lot of work to do, but certainly it's far easier getting people to engage with how, how they're feeling than it used to be. Because on a farm, it's a very isolating job, or can be for some. Um, and, and sometimes, as you say, there's that pride still. People still feel, oh, I, 
nobody wants to hear my problems, I'll cope, I'll get on. But actually, the help is there. It's nothing to be ashamed of whatsoever. Um, life changes, stresses and strains become more and more. Um, and we're here to help, not judge, um, and uh, you know, certainly not talk about people behind the backs, which I think a lot of people worry about. Now, you mentioned Alison. She is here as well, and she doesn't know I'm doing this. Lean forward. It's your um, AGM. It is, yes. Uh, and the charity auction. Has it been another successful year? Uh, yeah, a very successful year, a very busy year, um, and one in which we've made a big decision, uh, which is to recruit Julie. So we're really delighted that we're getting ourselves, as I call, match fit, ready for what's to face us going forward. And I think that's been very visionary as far as the trustee board have been concerned, and also very brave. Um, and also very needed. So clearly we've got a big step change. We are facing a change ourselves with all the challenges, but I'm delighted to say that the farming community and the local community are well behind us. Um, We've got a challenge to make sure we maintain the funding for this role going forward, but we'll be talking about that at the AGM. So all those people who are attending will get the chance to be able to understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what the future looks like and how everyone can help. And if you are attending at the Epic Centre, bring your checkbooks along. Yeah, absolutely. For the auction, We've got yeah? a fantastic list of auction prizes. Mike Perkins will be setting his stall out, uh, I'm sure. So we want people to dig deep because it's a good cause. And it's a farming community helping a farming community. So what better way to spend an evening and spend some money? Good luck tomorrow night and thanks for coming in. That's Alison Tweedy at LRSN and Julie Steele, the new health and wellbeing lead at the charity. Now, someone else who supports what LRSN does is our agronomist, Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean. And as Alison just said, I mean, the work they do is so important. The demand for the services of LRSN are increasing day by day, year on year. And as Brexit kicks in, they're only going to get more in demand. And we need funds. We need money to do the work that we need to do to help people. And the Linkage to Rural Support Network is just a group of like-minded people who get together to try and find solutions to problems to help people. That's all we do. And it's not all about farming families. It's about the wider rural community. Anybody in the wider rural community. And Lincolnshire is a big sprawling county with a lot of diverse problems from financial to mental to pastoral to family issues. All of those things come into play. And if anybody needs the help of Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, they are always there. Just Google them. Lincolnshire Rural Support Network. They've got Facebook page, they're on Twitter, there's a website, there's a helpline, and there is always somebody to help you. There is always somebody there to talk to you. So um, that's what we're all about. It's not about individuals, it's not about egos, it's just about a group of people who are trying to help those who need a bit of help. Because uh, let's face it, we all need a bit of help at some time. And it'll be quite a sad AGM actually, I think, this one, because it'll be our first without the Reverend David Creasy, who sadly passed away last December. Um, and David was an integral part of the AGM, an integral part, a cog in the wheel, that without which we, we've struggled a bit. Um, he was one of the instigators of the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network idea, along with Alan Robson and one or two others. And uh, very, very sad night it'll be tomorrow night because it's the first one without David. But we won't forget David. He'll be there with us. I'm absolutely sure of that. And we shall talk about him. And uh, he will still be a part of it, as far as I'm concerned, for every year we go forward. Um, 
Um, so yes, not looking forward to that bit, but always looking forward to remembering and thinking about David, a wonderful, wonderful man. So agronomy then, um, if there was a Lincolnshire Rural Cabbage Stem Flea Beetle support group, I don't think we'd get enough money together to support the people who need supporting. It is a real problem this year. I'm not going to go banging on. You know the problems we're facing with it. Anybody who's lost oilseed rate doesn't need me to talk about it. Um, but what I would like to just say is the fact that last year the right thing to do was drill oilseed rate between about the 24th of August and the 5th of September. This year the right thing to do was to drill it between about the 22nd of August and the 28th of August. Um, anything that's gone in the ground from September onwards just seems to have absolutely no vigour whatsoever. It should be romping away. It's got everything it needs. It's got soil temperatures above 15 it's got moisture, it's got nitrogen, whether applied or mineraling, mineralizing and releasing within the seedbed. So everything is there to make these crops go, but they're just not moving. And some of this is because the cabbage stem flea beetle are nobbling it before it comes through, they're nobbling it as it comes through, and they're nobbling it after it's come through. Crop seems completely bereft of any vigour, it doesn't want to grow away from the damage, and the pyrethroids we have available to us don't seem capable of nobbling them before they nobble our crops. So it is a real difficult problem and my biggest concern going forward is what we're going to do um, in terms of oilseed rape because I just cannot see oilseed rape surviving in this part of the world for another couple of years I mean I really can't unless we get varieties which are capable of withstanding cabbage stem flea beetle genetically I just can't see any way out of it um, and people aren't going to plant it again if they've lost 10,000 quid on seed and they've had to rip it out because the cabbage stem flea beetle have taken it there are crops out there I've got some of them where the owners will be driving past them polishing the nails on the chest thinking what a fantastic job they've done but even on crops where we haven't caught any adult cabbage stem flea beetle in water traps in sticky traps where we've seen little or no direct feeding damage from the adults where those crops are eight to ten inches tall now they look absolutely fantastic no shot holing in whatsoever and yet you can find three or four holes in the base of the leaf stems where the the larvae are already in there so it is very difficult to know what to do but my biggest concern is not only do we lose all seed rate but we lose the only pollen source for the bees and the wasps and the butterflies and the moths and the food source for the swallows and the martins when they come over in late March through to the beginning of May there is no other pollen source out there for us to lose oilseed rape will be cataclysmic not just for the farmers and their income but also for the wildlife and the ecosystem which thrives and strives within it and it really is a massive concern um anyway winter wheat thoughts are turning to drilling winter wheat not turning they've never gone away really but just remember we weren't planning to drill any of the black grassland much before about the 20th 25th of October based on previous experience cultural control of black grass is the best form of attack you all know that so hopefully the weather will start to pick up now so that by about the 25th of October we'll be able to get out there and do a bit of drilling um, if you're drilling now 225 250 seeds a square meter somewhere around about that mark October is one of those months you can increase your seed rate by 25 seeds a square meter every week week on week but do remember you're going to need about 40 millimeters of settled soil above those seeds to protect them from the avidex and the liberator and the crystal that you're going to put on you need that depth protection they need to be covered and if you can drill make sure you can spray don't drill a block of land and then go back to it 10 days later and put your pre-em on 
because once the black grass roots start to grow, and they will do once they get the flash of UV light from you taking a drill through the field, once those roots start to get down after about two or three days, they'll be below the band of any herbicide you put on. Also remember, you'll need reasonable seed beds for things like triolate. Avidex, which is its sublimation. It goes from a solid to a gas without going through the liquid phase, just like a Brussels sprout at Christmas. And you need, therefore, um, good conditions of the soil to make sure that you get a good, accurate band of gas, because this is a gas which is doing the job. You can, on some of the forward crops of winter wheat now, start to find gout fly eggs, little one and a half to two millimeter long cigar-shaped eggs. If you can find those on 50% of plants or more, you may need to consider a pyrethroid. So, all of this out of the way, um, let's hope that we get a good week of weather next week and we can start to look towards the drilling season starting in earnest, as long as we've got that blackgrass out of the way before we start. As ever, thank you. That's uh, Sean Sparling at Sparling Agronomy Services. Well, as he mentioned, the weather always on Sean's mind. What has this week in store? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, it's fair to say unsettled is the word again for the coming week. Today, still a bit damp. Could be windy, feeling colder as well. Highs today, 12 if we're lucky. The wind mostly from the northwest, swinging more from the south later. Another area of low pressure will bring in the chance of more rain tomorrow. It's certainly going to stay overcast. Highs nearer 13, the wind from the southwest at 15 miles an hour. And then Tuesday, a quieter day, maybe some sunshine peeking through. Those winds now from the northeast at 10 to 15 miles an hour more of the same really through the latter half of the week as well. Low pressure, meaning it stays unsettled with rain or showers into next weekend. Lows overnight this week are generally around 9 or 10 Celsius. For now, that's the forecast. It's harvest festival season. Today it's happening in Suffolk at the St Edmundsbury Cathedral in Bury St Edmunds. And next Sunday, the annual service is taking place at Lincoln Cathedral. So next week on the Farming Programme, we'll hear more from our agricultural chaplain, Alan Robson, on whether it's a harvest worth celebrating. That's next week. Enjoy the National Ploughing Championships if you're going later. And I might see you as well at tomorrow night's LRSN AGM and auction at the Epic Centre. That all kicks off at half six. Whatever you've got planned... I hope it's a good week. Join us for more farming next Sunday at the usual time. Until then, as ever, take care.